everybody and welcome back to the creative kindergarten podcast my name is amanda and i'm an early childhood educator in ontario canada i teach in a full day kindergarten classroom for those of you that are not in ontario and have no idea what i'm talking about full day kindergarten is a two-year program that students enter as young as 3.8 and they have two years of being in kindergarten and then they're ready for grade one. In our full day kindergarten classrooms, if you have um, a full class with 15 or 16 plus students, you have two educators in the room, one teacher, one early childhood educator, and that's what I am. I'm an early childhood educator. I have a background and an education in early childhood education, really, and I'm a specialist kind of in the early years of kindergarten. So I've feel like I needed to give you that background again in case you're just joining me for my first episode of this podcast because I'm today I'm going to be talking about block centers and small world. I know that these kind of centers are not um, feasible or possible in all kindergarten classrooms in different countries or in different districts in the states or even across Canada. I don't know what kindergarten really looks like anywhere else in the world I guess. I just know about my program and I know that somebody was wondering about the block center and small world play that I talk about when I post on my on my Instagram or on my blog. So I thought I would take some time today and talk a little bit about those centers. If you are not able to have centers like this or you don't have centers like this, that's okay. Maybe you're just going to listen to this podcast and learn a little bit about how my kindergarten classroom runs. Maybe you'll be able to take little bits and pieces of how I use these centers in my classroom and apply them to your room just because it works for me and my students doesn't mean it'll work for everybody. But I love uh, having this opportunity to share my experiences and my background in kindergarten. So with that, I'm going to start this episode number 29 of the Creative Kindergarten podcast. And it's going to be all about my block center and small world play. First of all, I wanted to uh, touch on the fact that I love having different areas in the classroom that students can work at. The more spread out we can put our 30 students in the room, I find the less craziness goes on, the more quiet it is, and the better students are able to work together because they're not all crowded into one space. So having these extra workspaces or play spaces within the room is just an easy way to divide up the kids so that they're not all just crowded around tables. A lot of the time, it's just much easier for me as an educator to have these different areas set up that students know that they can go to with um, the same kind of materials for extended periods, periods of time so that they can return back to it and know what's there so I don't have to keep explaining it or explaining the rules and expectations for that area. Does that make sense? I hope it does. It's just that you know, our tabletop centers might change daily, whereas like the block center and small world play, that will stay the same over an extended period period of time. So having those extra spaces, it just makes it easier on me as an educator. 
I'm going to talk about my block center first. If you want to see any visuals about what I'm talking about, I'll make sure I'll put a link for it in the description or in the show notes. I wrote a a blog post on my building center. I think it was last year. And I really, I did like a little tour of the block center and I showed all the different materials that I've used and that I created for that center. So that if you need, if you're more of a visual person and you need to see what I'm talking about in order for it to make sense, I try to explain it the best I can. Sometimes I don't know if I make sense. But if you're more of a visual person, you want to see what I'm talking about, I'll make sure I link that in the, in the show notes. Our block center is a space that uh, we might introduce new materials throughout the year to extend learning and things like that. But the base materials usually stay the same all year long. So we have a variety of things that are available for building. Now, this is part of my frustration with kindergarten sometimes is that we never got a budget to buy wooden blocks for our classroom and I know that other people might also struggle with this where there's no building blocks but I feel like building and construction sites and all that kind of stuff is so vitally important to a kindergarten classroom that I knew I couldn't buy a set because they're very expensive those nice wooden blocks that you see so I decided to create my own. So I created a variety of materials that I could add into that center that students could use, but I made them, I want to say on the cheap because we weren't given a budget for them. And I th- thought that because they were so important, I should just make them. So there's different things that I made. Again, I will put that link in the description in case I'm not explaining this properly, but we found some scrap wood that we, um, I say we, because this was mostly my husband that helped me with this, that um, we cut up into smaller pieces and different sized pieces. We had uh, long square pieces of wood that we were able to cut into more block shape we had like lots of different sizes so we had all this scrap wood that we found I think I went to Home Depot and bought a few dollars worth of wood as well and we just sawed different sizes of wood and then I sanded everything down so that there wouldn't be any splinter issues and we took I think it was a mixture of I'm pretty sure it was a mixture of food coloring and vinegar I want to say no food coloring and alcohol, rubbing alcohol. We mix that together and then you take a Q-tip and you rub that mixture over the wood and it dyes the wood whatever color that you had the food coloring in. So I made these beautiful rainbow blocks that we could use in our building center for um, like a couple dollars. I think it was just because I wanted some different sized wood that we didn't have in our scrap pile. And so just for a couple of dollars, I was able to make our own set of uh, wooden blocks. To add to those, I made some wooden gems. Again, scrap wood, sanded down, and I just sanded them at different angles so that they look like gems. And then I just used a matte chalk paint and I painted them different colors. And I think I sanded them again to kind of give them that worn look. And then I just put a a finishing spray on them. Uh, Yeah, so I just, again, couple dollars made those wood gems. I also have made, I've wood burned different uh, blocks to look like houses before. I've created a lot of materials to put into our building center that I think add to some different, like not add to, but inspire some different play that can be happening there. So even if you don't have a budget for a nice set of blocks that you can get from our school suppliers, maybe you can find some creative ways to bring some building materials into the classroom. Maybe it's just cardboard boxes, right? Some tubes, whatever it is that you can find just to add some uh, building elements into your room. 
For our building center last year, we added a blueprint book to our room. So we had a book that was just basically blank papers and students were able to glue in or color on them and put some blueprints into the book. So if they had an idea of something they wanted to build, they could grab a pencil, come over, draw it, label it, write their name on it, and then build the thing that they did off of their blueprint. And then I would, this didn't always happen, but I would try to take a picture of what they built and then I would glue that picture of their construction on the back of the blueprint paper. It was just a great way to bring in an element of literacy as well and developing those uh, writing skills while just being in the block center. So that was always that was always a great hit. You can also add different tools into your uh, building center. So if let's say you're working on measurement, I talked about this in my previous podcast episode about math centers, but if you are working on measurement, maybe you're going to add some non-standard measuring tools into your building center so that students start using those tools that they're learning about in their math lessons while now they're using it in the building center. So thinking about as time goes on, what materials can you add? What materials are you taking away? What are you doing to that center to keep their engagement, to keep them excited and keep them um, learning and extending that learning that could be happening there? Another thing that we always struggled with in our classroom, and this is purely a space constraint. There wasn't enough space to have only a dedicated building center. So we had all of our building materials shared the space with our dramatic play center. And then if students needed a really large surface to build on, they would go bring everything to our carpet. Or if they were building something small or they wanted to work or there was something else going on the carpet, they could work in the dramatic play center. One of the things that I always struggled with was students who were not done with their structures, who at my prescribed teacher time said, hey, you have to clean this up. And they were really excited about what they were building and they really wanted to continue that. Well, now we had to clean it up. And how could we have a space dedicated to the building center where structures could stay up for longer periods of time, maybe a few days, so that kids can continually add to it, keep building, keep working together to create it to create with it even more. So that was something I haven't hadn't figured out a solution to yet. That is something that I was always thinking about, especially when they were building on the the carpet and we had to come back to carpet. So there was just no way they could keep it. Um, If they were playing with Duplo or Lego, sometimes they were able to just transport their Duplo or Lego creations and just leave them on our back's classroom ledge and they could come back and take that later. But it was really the more elaborate big creations with those building blocks that they couldn't keep up over a longer period of time and it always just bugged me. I was just always just trying to find a way that our students could uh, keep their creations over long periods of time. So it's just really thinking about the spaces in your room and we are really we're we're bound to the space that's in our classrooms. We're bound to the the things that are in there that we need to keep like the furniture that um, at least at my school, we were not allowed to take furniture out of our room. So we were really bound to keep that furniture in our classroom. So how do we rework the space to really benefit the students? And that was one thing that I just, I never quite figured out, but I'll keep thinking about that one and see if we can maybe next year or wherever, whenever I return back to the classroom, really think about where that space can, uh, can live in our room. 
And uh, I always talk about the benefits of having a building center, a dedicated building center. So it's not just some materials that are put out uh, at a table, like a teacher thinks about what materials they want to have out and the teacher puts out materials and then the students build with it, but really having a variety of materials available to the students and they get to pick and choose what they're doing. So of course, this doesn't happen right in September. It doesn't happen in September that, hey, here's all of these building materials. Take what you want, build what you want. It's really a learning process for our students to learn how to use materials appropriately because we don't want wooden blocks being thrown across, across the classroom and how do you even um, be respectful with them so that we're not banging things together and breaking them or that we're not just shoving everything back to in back by shoving them into the back of the uh, the cupboard or wherever it is that you're storing them how to properly take care of them how to properly put them away how to use them appropriately so this is something that is worked in in September and we really talk about how to use the materials appropriately I always get asked this question well what if a kid is throwing the building blocks well, then the kid doesn't get to play with the building blocks. I think I've said this before where I was not, I wasn't a super strict teacher, but if you're not going to be respectful towards the materials that we are providing you to use in the classroom, if you know the rules and you are fully capable of following the rules, you're just making a poor choice at the moment. Well, then we're going to take a break from using these materials and you can have another chance at another time. And so having very um, concrete consequences of you just threw that that block across the room well now you don't get to use those blocks so the I guess this isn't the term I would use in a classroom but the punishment fits the crime right it's not that they threw that block across the classroom so now they don't get to do uh they don't get recess no that 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 doesn't correlate. I try to always make sure that if there is a consequence for an action the consequence matches the action that took place if that makes sense. So I want to always make sure that the students understand that they're not able to use that block anymore because of what they did and what they did with that block. And so making sure that our students understand the rules for using the materials, they understand the expectations at the block center are very important. Again, that doesn't happen right away in September. That is something that is built on. Those are conversations that need to happen, sometimes very explicitly with some students. Sometimes students need visuals, they need to have cues, they need daily reminders, and maybe they need to be have modeled how to use materials. We don't, I don't know what the background is of all your students. Sometimes I don't even know the background of the students that are coming to me in September. They might have never even had the chance to work with building blocks before. So how can I make it easier on them to know how to use them appropriately? Keeping that in mind is really important. There's so many benefits to having a block center in the classroom though. It builds students' communication skills. They learn about teamwork. They're sharing materials because there's only a limited number of materials. There's only so many blocks we can put into our classroom. So they have to learn how to share those blocks and they have to learn how to talk through sharing those blocks. So that's also a, um, in a very explicit modeling moment that I have multiple times a year where a student says, well, I want that block. And just because you want that block right now doesn't mean that you just get to have that block. That other student is using it at the moment. So instead of saying, oh, you need to share, you know, share the blocks, I'll go over and I'll say, okay, let's talk this through. He's using that blue block as the base and you want the blue block. Well, let's ask him when you're done with the blue block, 
can I please have it? And really having those conversations and giving them those words and giving them those prompts makes it easier. And I truly, I'm not just saying this, by the end of the year, I could see those conversations happening or I not see them, I could hear them happening without needing a teacher to intervene. So really giving them the opportunity and showing them how to have those conversations is really important. Yeah, so all those social skills that are so important for our little learners, those can be taught through the building center and it's so important. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I'm going to talk about my small world play. This is one that I've had, I think, in almost every classroom since I started in kindergarten. I didn't have it my first year for sure, but I think every year other after that I did. First of all, what is small world play? Usually it's, I call it small world play. And I know there's like a a real definition of small world play. And I think it's just like a play that's on a smaller scale. So you might have little dolls, little uh, area to work in. It's very just, it's uh, let's say dramatic play, but on a smaller scale almost. I kind of took small world play and I played around with it a little bit. So we had a small world play center and really we could set up anything there. It could be a provocation or a STEM challenge. We could be doing story retail and connecting the materials at the small world play to a book or a story that we read and they could be doing a retail through there. It could be little building materials that we would put on there. So anything that I could put down to a small scale. It was only ever two students that could work at that center. And I would put out materials that were there. Those were more chosen materials. So the block center was very open where students could pick materials. The small world was a little bit more thought out and uh, materials were picked with an intent in mind with my small world play. That doesn't mean that everybody's small world play like is like that. It's just my small world play is like that. There was always two students that were there at a time. And because it was on a smaller scale, the materials that were put out could be left out over longer periods of time. So if there was a student that was working on something there, they could just leave it and come back to it at a later time because it was on a ledge on the corner of our room. It didn't need to be put away every time. Um, we made sure that uh, every student did have a chance to go. So it wouldn't be the same student had left materials out there for five days. Like if they had to leave it out uh, before lunch and after lunch, that was perfectly okay. So that they could always return back to it. Um, sometimes we had science there. Last year, our students were so enamored with the roly polies, these little bugs that were in our uh, kindergarten yard. And our students were picking them up and looking at them and asking so many questions about them. So we got a little um, container, put some roly polies in it. We put some uh, like apple chunks and things so that they wouldn't die in there. And then we put them at that small play center and I put out papers and I put out some information cards about roly polies and students could go and look at them whenever they wanted to and write about their observations or ask questions or try to see if they could answer any of their questions. And so it could really be anything at my small world play center. It was just an opportunity for a smaller group of students to work together and have more intentional planning put behind it. 
again with this kind of center there's so can be so many skills embedded into it we like i said science stem we did lots of stem challenges there where we would put out uh, a challenge for students to do and the materials to do it and then they could go back to it throughout the week we would put in maybe some literacy skills the story retail was always a great hit there so a small world play is really anything that you need it or want it to be and it's just a great opportunity to have a smaller set of students work together where they can communicate they can share and they can learn together so that's small world play if you have any questions about it let me know uh, that's just how I've always done it and maybe small world play isn't the best name for it but I that's just what we called it and so now that I've talked a little bit about the block center and small world play um, I just want you to have like a little reflection moment right now what are the different spaces that you have available for students to work at in your room so what is being used so I was talking about our block center and how we had to double up the block center and dramatic play center well what other spaces can you use in your classroom what do you want to focus on with your students do you need to focus on sharing skills what kind of centers can you set up for sharing skills do you need to work on fine motor with your students I had a fine motor station in our classroom as well those are I think I did a podcast if I already did a podcast and find motor centers I'll put a link in the show notes for you um what what other skills do you need to work on and how can you incorporate those into the classroom like I said I had a lot of other centers set up in my room um, we had the block center, we had the uh, the small world center, we also had a fine motor center that had a new fine motor activity on it every week. We had a sensory bin that we set up to work on different skills and a sandbox as well. And I'm sure I'm forgetting other spaces in the classroom that we used, but what else can you add to that? Do you have a, a do your students love science? Maybe you can have a science center and you have all the uh, tools that they need to do science experiments or you ask them scientific questions and they try to answer them at this science center. Um, do they love to write? Maybe you have a writing center. Maybe they love technology and you have a, a green screen center set up. Whatever it may be, try to think of how you can incorporate it into your classroom. I just find that having these semi-permanent spaces in your classroom because they can always move if you need them to but having these semi-permanent spaces that students can return to time and time again gives them a level of comfort and gives them a sense of belonging into the classroom because they know what's there they know what's expected of them they know what's available and so they can go back to it whenever they need to and so, yeah, think about what do you have in your room or what could you add to your room for this? If you have any fun centers like that, if you have a science center, whatever it is, please let me know. I'd love to hear about it. I'm always on Instagram. So you can send me a message on Instagram. I'll put my uh, username in the show notes for you because it is really long. It's at Creative Kindergarten Blog on TPT. I'm also on my blog and on my blog, creativekindergartenblog.com, there is a little contact me button. You can send me an email. Or I'm on Facebook. I'm Creative Kindergarten on there, I think. If you have any pictures of, let's say, your building center or you have pictures of a small world play or fine motor or sense made, whatever it is, send me pictures. I'd love to see them. If you're okay with it, I'll repost them. If there's no like kids picture, kids faces in it, I'll repost some of your ideas. I'd love, love, love to see them. I'm always looking for new ways to incorporate skills throughout our classroom in a play-based way. So Thank you again so much for joining me on my podcast. I really love coming to you guys each week and thinking through some of the different things I do in my classroom and really 
reflecting on them, trying to think, are these the best practices? What else can I do to improve it? What can I add or take away or change? It's always just a great way as a professional of early childhood education to really just keep thinking about my students, thinking about my classroom, and really um, growing and changing. Like, I'm constantly changing my mind on what I want to do in the room. And I think that's just the nature of being in kindergarten. I'm never quite satisfied with how things are. I always think there's got to be a better way to do this. There's got to be an easier way or there's got to be a way that is better for my students. And so having this podcast is just a really great way for me to think through all these ideas. So I really appreciate you guys showing up every week. And if you are not yet yet subscribed to my podcast, make sure you do that. I put out new podcasts every Tuesday and I'd love for you to be joining me again next week. Again, thank you so much for joining me. I hope you have a great rest of your week. (laughs) 